I am Alon Ben Meir, and this is On the Issues. My guest today is Nina Grochov, professor in the Graduate Program of International Affairs at the New School. She's also a senior fellow of the World Policy Institute and a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. You can find her full bio on the page of this episode. And thank you for taking the time to have a chat with me. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, how long have you been actually teaching? Uh, since 2001. I see. When oh. we began, we actually started this program in 2001, just right. a few weeks before September 11th. Mm -hmm. It was a very important year for us. Right, right. So, we were talking about uh, your take on these uh, wonderful personalities, like Trump and Putin and Erdogan and Cheney and Marsfeld. Uh, I, I find this really very interesting and fascinating because, I mean, I have pretty much the same notion about these guys. But I just want to talk to you a little bit more about uh, this guy here. <laughs> Putin. Putin. <laughs> Where do you think he's going? His what's in, what's in his head nowadays? Wow. Uh have been a lot written by much smarter people than me about what's in his head and where <laughs> he's going and many takes on that. My belief is that he needs to stay in power. He has been in power for 17 years. Very cleverly, he interrupted his reign, kind of did this uh, little musical, swear, um, musical chair switch when the former prime minister... Dmitry Medvedev became president yeah, in yeah. 2008 and he turned to prime ministership and then came back in 2012. And so he prolonged his political life. He sort of disappeared or at least stepped a little bit behind, which was a very clever move. He's been in power essentially for 17 years. There was a lot of people that he upset. There is a lot of people who want him to be gone. There is a lot of people who breeze behind his back thinking that it's their turn now to uh, step in in the limelight. So I think if he goes, it's not going to be ending well for him. So he needs to stay in power, in my view. Yeah, but then there's a, there's kind of time sooner or later he's going to have to go. Whether by natural causes or by being well, pushed out. Well, he's still a young man. I mean, he's only in his 60s. Yeah. Uh, there is an election in Russia in 2018, next year, and then there is another election in 2024. By constitution... Can he run again? Yes. 24? Yes. By constitution, he has to end his reign in 2024 because it is a six-year... He is eligible for two six-year consecutive terms. So uh -huh. he has to end in 2024. We don't know what will be in the world by 2024. We don't know what will be in Russia by 2024. But I believe that he probably plans to stay in by then and maybe even further. But we'll see what happens then. Uh, it is possible that the world situation develops in such a way that Putin would become or we turn the world with sort of the craziness that it happens in the United States right now, will turn his kind of thuggishness and dickness into a world statementship. And he then could possibly retire peacefully in 2024. But we don't know. We can't. But well, really that doesn't that. necessarily have a tall order. 
It is a very tall order. Given, so for, yeah, given the order. situation in Russia, given the economic problems. But the economic problems are much. Actually, I just went. Um, I just went through all Russia. I went from Kaliningrad, the western part of it, to Kamchatka, where Sarah Palin said hello to me from her backyard. <laughs> uh, so all through eleven time zones, and the situation the situation is not as dire as Americans would want want it to be believed. It is not as wonderful when oil was booming. Well, of course. Of but course, it I mean. is, before Russia goes hungry, there is some time. And so this time could be very useful for Putin. So my belief, he needs to stay until 2024. And, you know, he can do a lot of things. And I also think that in order for that economic problems not to... Uh, not to get on the surface, I think he's going to, as we say in Russian, he's going to um, tight, tighten up the screws. So the protests are getting less, the opposition is getting less, because once again, in order to stay in, in order to, protect, to um, prevent his power from disintegrating, but also to um, secure his own money, he's a very rich man, mm -hmm. uh, he needs Russian order. And I mean in a Stalinist way, a really strong order when the leader is in charge. So I think that's, that's what is his head. And I think that really drives his foreign policy, his domestic policy, and any other policy he may have. Yeah, but um, I do think that is <clears throat> really sustainable in terms of yeah, I agree with you. The, the Russian economy is not on the verge of collapsing, but definitely it is experiencing serious difficulties. Never, nevertheless, right, uh, and that is compounded also by the continuing sanctions to some extent. It's compounded by the increasing tension, ongoing tension with the United States, notwithstanding what uh, this Mr. Trump is doing or saying. Uh, but Putin has been able, successfully though, for sure, to reintroduce elements, let's call it elements, of the Soviet Union into the very equation in terms of outreach to the Middle East, uh, in terms of the, the, the annexation of um, Crimea and, and, uh, and the, the, the war in Georgia before mm -hmm. that. And his continuing ambition, of course, to try to further the influence of uh, Russia um, in various parts. Going, for example, just recently selling the S-400 to, to Saudi Arabia. Um, I don't remember ever a king from Saudi Arabia ever go to went to, to Moscow for that matter. So, so he's he's got, and I agree with this, sort of a plan. Right. I'm not sure how refined the plan is. He has to also occasionally go with the flow. Do you think, however, I mean, as I see it, he may be also trapping himself. For example, let's take Syria. I don't see a, a positive exit for Russia. Exit, I don't mean leaving Syria. Russia has been in Syria for 40 odd years. Mm -hmm the naval base and right. all of that, they're not going to leave. But was it the investment getting so much, so deeply into the conflict in Syria? Was it really, is it really worthwhile from your perspective as you see? I mean, I have a different views on that. Well, from my perspective, which, if you know, if I think about Putin's perspective, yes, um, I think it was absolutely worth it. We 
been reading lately, very recently, that ISIS is on the run, rises, you know, all the cities are being liberated, the capital of um, uh, ISIS has fallen, and, you know, Taliban is now going to once again go back into that kind of empty spot that ISIS has has freed. Um, Putin absolutely takes credit for that, because for him it was Obama's weak policy, weak policy that allowed no, it no. to happen. I agree with you on that point. I definitely agree, but... Take it from there. But though. no, but so it so what it most importantly what it gave Putin is that we talk about resurgent Russia, about Russia. Russia has no role in the Middle East essentially until it went to Syria. Look at it now. It's you know, it's playing with Saudi Arabia. It's it's uh, uh, it has a, um, um, a Russian defense minister uh, Shoigu just went to Israel because they had some disagreements about Iran, so that he just went to Israel and it was a very important meeting with the uh, with the Israeli uh, defense minister. But although you know bilateral relations between Russia and Israel have been ongoing for a long time. Well, but, mean, but not. I mean, uh, if you talk about the Soviet Union, not really. So Putin actually. No, was, no, I'm talking about the last ten, right, fifteen absolutely. years. But, oh, no, absolutely. But that's what's yeah. so remarkable about Putin is that. What remarkable, I say it slightly with a grain of salt, because I don't know whether he's going to have an exit strategy, but he now has uh, chess pieces on all Middle Eastern chessboard, which, of course, until just a few years back, he didn't have. But, he's now having a relationship with Egypt. He's yeah. now having relationship with, uh, as I said, Israel, and he's been developing it. He has. He's a player in Iran. He's a player in... Uh, um, in Turkey. So so this is something that for him, regardless of how much it may cost, this is Russia that is a global play. And all of it is in response, a lot of it, is in response to Barack Obama. Remember, he disdainfully this said is not, Russia is this a regional is not power. Question. That's it. There is no question. But when you mention all of these countries, uh, there's also sort of, so to speak, grain of salt. Uh, there's no love affair between him and Erdogan. And you know that. Well, of course. There is no love affair with him in Iran or the Khomeini either. Uh, as far as Israel is concerned, the relationship between Netanyahu and, 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 um, and Putin going back many, many years, and uh, even before that, uh, there is a vested interest of Russia in Israel, and they do not want to have any tension with Israel for many, many good reasons. But when you equate that to a chess set, and it's a good analogy, I feel that uh, Russia does not have the queen on the on the board, and that is one of the weaknesses. You don't have a element within Russian foreign policy, as I understand, as I see it. You you know better that has this. Let's call it the queen mm -hmm. that can move in every single direction. Completely, absolutely, but. In Putin's understanding, and I actually think that that's why his um, kind of spy experience comes in very handy, and it is very important for anything he does, is that in a spy world where you operate in shadows, in secret, and you play people against each other, regardless of whether you have the queen or not, he actually can do it. I mean, the United States has had the queen for a long time, and it's almost lost it because it's... Oh, it was stepped. a dismal failure. Well, it is a dismal failure, Absolutely. but it had the queen. So yeah. where Putin stands, I think it's yeah. a great analogy, where Putin stands, actually, in order to operate the way he does, you don't need a queen. You Probably, actually need to find a weakness yeah. in other people's strength where you can step in 
and use other chess pieces. He is to, to make the move. skill to use right. other the pawns and the exactly. and the elephant. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and so the Russia, horse, I should say. No, no, but I mean, but it is. It's really true because he plays a very strong hand yeah. from a very weak position, and that has been success because everybody looks for a weak, hand, strong hand to play a strong game, yeah. and he out and he. I think that's how he kind of mesmerized the world. And that's why, even if there is no love lost, they all want to be Putin. How did he do it? Yeah, because he uh, played a weak hand and he turned it into something. Let, let's take this a little further, beyond the ne year or next. I mean, there's, there's a mutuality of interest. There's no question. Iran, with Iran, with Turkey, with Israel, with uh, certainly in Syria, and uh, etc. There's that, that interest and being guarded. Both have a mutual interest to guard the current relationship between the bilateral relations between him and these and these leaders in these countries. What I've been looking at is to see three, four years down the line what is going to happen between Iran and Russia or Putin or Russia. What is going to happen given the personalities of of Erdogan, as you well know it very well, and the personalities of the Khomeini regime and he and his uh, not Rouhani as much. And, and uh, these are people who are 100%, 1,000% focused on what they want, what they need, and at, at all costs, including, of course, Putin himself. There's no mm -hmm. question about it. So this is, so far, and as I see, it is a marriage of convenience. But in my mind, divorce is inevitable. Now, is it going to be a nasty divorce? Or is it going to be a peaceful one? Well, I don't know. I agree with you that divorce is inevitable because as strategic as Putin may appear in his yeah. kind of taking over and being playing strong hand from a weak position, it's also incredibly tactical. I mean, they take advantage of the situation. I mean, he's great at that. That's what he was trained to do in KGB school and in, in, his, in his career. Ultimately, they would have to divorce because they're not going the same direction. None of them are going the same direction. I don't know what kind of divorce they would have. I also think that we are we should think about the United States as part of the same game. Now the United States essentially gave, for example, Syria was given away to Turkey, Iran and mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh and Russia. And Putin and Russia Putin. and allowed them and actually allowed them to deal with that. Right. But I would imagine that the United States would or should come back to to the story at some point. And that depends on what kind of position is going to take and what kind of relationship Putin will have the, with the United States at some point. But another thing, where China would fall in all of this, um, in all of this kind of relationship, because now it sort of tacitly supports Putin, whatever he does in the Middle East. It's a convenient, once again, marriage of convenience. Mm -hmm. What if China takes its own role somewhere? Because it's an easy take, and China probably would it somewhere along the line would go into those places, as it does, for example, when Africa was kind of lost to Europe or the United States. Where who is in Africa now? China is a China, major player, yeah, and I don't think that yeah. they are going to avoid the Middle East for much longer. So I think the complicated issue that it's going to be many more countries going into that area and decide. Who is going to side with whom? And I don't think it's clear yet, at least not to me, who falls on which side. Yeah, then, however, you know, given, of course, what you suggest, which is correct in my view, absolutely, 
let's look at the power equation still in the Middle East today. And the power equation suggests the United States presence in the region with, with a commitment to do something about Syria and without it. And I consider that to be a dismal failure on the part of the Obama administration. But when you look at the, uh, the military prowess, uh, the presence, the presence that existed in the Middle East, no country, certainly not Russia or China combined, or other powers for that matter, even resembled the extent to which America's military presence in the Middle East today still, after everything that we've been saying and doing. I mean, you look at the Sixth Fleet, the Seventh Fleet, you look at the Oman base, you look at the Israel forward forces that they can lend in Israel tomorrow and be equipped uh, overnight with 20,000 troops, you know. So you have, you have that kind of presence. And that kind of presence, they, there is no, seem to me, no, even nobody is talking about reducing that presence in the Middle East. And no matter what Putin might try to do or Erdogan might try to do, they can tinker with a little bit here and there, but they cannot really change in, in any in dramatically, in drastically, the fundamentals of American power in that region. But there is a little bit, you know, sometimes we operate from position of strength, sometimes position of not as strong, maybe even weakness. But do you really see a fundamental, that is, Putin's uh, approach today, however successful he's been, and he has been successful, can that be sustained Again, given the reality or given the continuing presence in such mag to such magnitude of American power. Well, yes, you're right. America, is, there is a magnitude. Um, but one of the reasons Putin, for example, to himself justifying his staying until 2024, 20, not only because he wants to, end, wants to end his life well and not be killed in the middle of all of it, in the power struggle with his own, uh, with his own um, flunkies, uh, but also because, because he did play very weak hand very, very well, and America played its very strong hand. So yes, despite all the, all the strengths that it does have, yeah. in order to, you know, strengths, even as strong as the strength is, you still need to somehow operate it. And if you just leave it be, it's not strength anymore because who is making decisions, who are actually making strategic decisions, who are making decisions that are going to play out in 10 years' time rather than five minutes and whatnot. I remember I was very fortunate to work with George Kennan when I was postdoc. I had a postdoc and worked with Jack Matlock, who was the last ambassador to the Soviet Union, and George Kennan, and he would always say that the problem with American foreign policy doesn't think long enough. It only thinks in two-year time. It should be five years. It should be ten years. Yeah, there is and, no and that's what. And I think that's why your argument, as correct as it is, may play out differently. Just because that's exactly what Putin's talent is. He's a brilliant tactician. He really takes advantage of the current situation and turn it and gives it infinitely longer mileage than it would have had otherwise. Yeah, I think I think you're right in that respect. There's no uh, American foreign policy is not uh, steady. It's not steady. And it's not. I it's, mean, it's no, just basically non-existent. It's not. And when point. you have a president like Trump, right. make things, of course, considerably worse when he's trying to undo, deliberately to undo everything, good, bad, or in between. And fight Obama. with your own 
fight with your uh, secretary of state yeah, yeah, at all times. Yeah, yeah. So yes. So, so that that is the plight of um, our democracy, to so speak. But here, what Putin, I think, in, uh, brilliance, you might say, is a being able to accumulate this power in the name of democracy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like, or saving the world. I mean, yeah, basically so, what yeah. he's saying is that, yeah. well, look at those people that they don't know what they're doing. So I am here, That's right. Iran, I am here, Egypt, I am here, Israel, to make sure that I'm a power broker yeah. that will keep peace in the Middle East. So, but, um, and of course, but the, the conflict, I mean, notwithstanding uh, Trump um, unwillingness uh, to confront Putin in any in any way, for whatever reason. I mean, that all kind of speculation. Um, the question today is, you know, how do you see? I'd like to hear your take on where the bilateral relations between the United States and Russia is going. Now we have still sanctions in place. We have still because of the annexation of Crimea. Uh, we have a problem because of what's going on in Syria with Russia. So we have, uh, albeit indirectly, we collaborated in trying to defeat ISIS and all of that. But where do you see that going, given the fact that the Congress today usurped the power of the president to lift the sanction on, on Russia, so he cannot do that? Uh, so it's, it's basically, the relationship is pretty much frozen. It is, uh, yes. It was a so, frozen peace, Cold yeah, War, a, frozen it, peace so, yeah, moment. It's a frozen Cold War, peace and peace, whatever you call it, yes. So how do we, how do we, I mean, is it the time? I mean, I, I personally, I, I'll come back, I'll express my views after I hear you though. Is it the time now to see what can be done to change the dynamic between the two countries? Are the right people in place, uh, Trump and Putin are the one who can actually do anything about it? Given the situation here in the United States and given what the thinking that goes through his head, or Putin's that is, or where he's at, uh, and he's surely taking advantage of the fact that the United States created a, a, a big um, vacuum. He's filling up that vacuum as soon as he possibly can. But the total sum of it, in competing with the United States, he's achieved something, but not achieved as much as he would have liked to achieve. Does that depend to some extent in improving the relationship with the United States from your perspective or making it even worse for him to further realize some of his objectives? I think as a KGB man, I mean, I think he, brilliant, I mean, I must admit, playing both hands. I mean, that's what you kind of do. It's an asymmetrical approach to Mm -hmm. things. I mean, you can uh, calculate it enough so you can um, take advantage of either good relationship right, or right. take advantage of the bad relationship. And he's been doing it all along. I mean, either, in fact, those elections in 2016 would have worked either way for him. Hillary Clinton comes in, either she's talking to him or he's going to pay back, which he did, for calling him Hitler, which is, of course, a great insult to yeah. any Russian. And she should have known better. Trump comes in. Great. Either the relationship is improved, or if the no relationship are improved, you can just continue the Soviet mantra. And Soviet, yeah. I mean, not yeah. not because yeah. it's Soviet mantra, but because it's such a familiar from the Soviet days. Look at those United States. Uh, you cannot trust them. You cannot believe them. They're always out to get Russia. 
So that really works either way for him, not improved relationships. And that's what I think in some ways they're almost counting on is that the greatness of Russia depends on its con confrontation, not confrontation, but standing against the West. So even if, say, economic sanctions and economy goes yeah. further, then you can say, well, but you are suffering for Russia's independence, otherwise it's going to be swollen by Germany and the United States. And if it doesn't, uh, you say, well, look, we tried to make this relationship better. That's just not working out. I think the more problematic is the United States, because I think until that hysteria of how horrible Russia is and always has been and will always be gets over, I don't think there's any hope for that because whatever Trump wants, we know now he can't do it. It was kind of clear that he couldn't have done it anyway because, first of all, you know, Putin makes upset everyone. I mean, he's a perfect James Bond villain. And, you know, America is, yeah. a, culture, America is a culture of entertainment. So uh -huh. when you have a character like that in uh -huh. politics, you just cannot help yourself. You really turn him into the Darth Vader of uh, right. contemporary Russia. So he was a very convenient character this way. So mm -hmm. he would be a bad guy by definition. Right. His posing naked would make him even worse. Uh -huh. So you can do the anti-James Bond of contemporary Russia. So you couldn't do that. And if you... Uh, so Trump wouldn't be able to. But also, even if he were, Trump and Putin in some ways are very similar. Because uh, you know, yeah. our my my opinion matters. I'm the one who knows. Uh, if you're going to hit me. I'm going to hit you ten times more. Narcissistic, self-absorbed, arrogant. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, so all of that. So, and they share a lot of in common. Exactly. In these areas. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, Trump is more ridiculous than Putin because Putin yeah. is very well, well Putin calculated. Putin is far more intelligent. Right, than and Trump. very well calculated. Uh, absolutely. But in some ways, I just don't think that that relationship from either perspective could have flourished. In any way, That's right. and I think until it goes completely to the absolute bottom of it, like the relationship, say, when Ronald Reagan was calling uh, the Soviet Union the evil empire, I don't think it can start going up. And the, and I'm not sure that we're at the absolute bottom yet. I think we still need to have this investigation to come out, yeah, and then yeah. somehow uh, say, <clears throat> give Russians, uh, America should give Russians the documents and say, well. We've discovered, not the conjecture that it's still doing, but we have discovered. This is what you did. That's how you did it. That's the proof of what you do. What are you going to say about it? And from then on, start building relationships. Well, but if, you... if we were to have this kind of proof in terms, well, we know that they intervened yes. in the election. That is a given already right. by the all intelligence agencies of a Greek. We don't know about collusion yet. So when you but say we also that, don't know the, except, the, ex, uh, the extent of intervening because the intelligence... Well, it's coming more and more. Well, more, I mean, but it's, I mean, a lot of it is it's still very... I'm looking very carefully at it. A lot of it is conjecture. It's just somebody met with somebody and because it's a Russian, it must be suspicious. No, but there's quite a bit now of evidence to that. I mean, not to speak of Facebook and uh, a lot of things are coming out. Yeah, I'm sure you know better, but it is coming out. I mean, there's no, no doubt in the mind of anyone who's following these things to suggest that they have not intervened. They have not no, they, the uh, there's no question there's that no they question. They The extent not. to which we can do but, but, but I think the extent, the extent is, is important. It is important. It is important. So it's a question of evaluation. I, I mean, I, I cannot tell you categorically this is what happened. No, but no, I think in order for, yeah. for to have a yeah. better relationship, I mean, yeah. to start improving, 
all this evidence should be yeah. given to Putin and say how we are going to address it. We want to have better relationships. But you know, Putin, you know, one who follows Putin as, as well as you do, he's not going to say this is not true. I mean, he basically can deny that. He need, no, yeah. I, have, I mean, the same, remember in 83 when the Russians shot down the uh, Korean plane and then they were saying, oh, no, 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 we didn't mm -hmm. do it, we didn't do it, and then they were given documents and that's how it sort of started building up. It was the beginning of the end. So I'm not sure. I think, I think actually if this, instead of hysterical approach, actually Russians would be almost like Khrushchev Eisenhower when the U-2 fell down and uh, Eisenhower uh, was saying, I didn't do it. And Khrushchev said, well, don't make me, don't turn me into an idiot. I know that <laughs> we have a pilot and a plane. So, so the conversation have to start from exchanging no. this kind of documents and say, how are you planning to make it better? The point is, even if that were the, to, to be right. the case, what it is that we can do about it? Let's say he's presented now with absolutely indisputable, unequivocal evidence. This is what you've done. What, in fact, can we do about it? That is, what consequences will Putin suffer from that? He's already has a sanction in place. He can impose more sanctions on Russia. But my, but you see, he's um, and you say that yourself. But then he's a um, Teflon man. He is very little can penetrate this guy and yes he had produced you know presented with his evidence but with that that is obviously could further undermine erode u.s russia relationship there's no question uh well but then what well i mean there is plenty of i mean there's <laughs> as many analysts and as many scenarios to this what happened? Or nothing. Well, nothing. We, that's my For point. example, right. It yeah. could be nothing. It could be more sanctions, which, by the way, not necessarily helpful. useless. No, it or, could, or useless. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be, be very damaging. unhelpful yeah. or it could be really damaging because if yeah. the oil, if the all the, because one of the, because one of the things, and Putin being very clever, relies on that. It's this sort of Western hypocrisy. You want to sanction, but you don't want to hurt your own businesses. And he knows that. And so there's oh, yeah, a lot of, yeah. you know, uh, IT issues and, you know, kind of. So he plays with that. So yeah. say America actually stopped being hypocritical about it and say, fine, no businesses, just zero business, no traveling to the. I don't know. I mean, for example, I was a big proponent of blanket sanctions right when Crimea happened. So Russians, you support your president so much. Fine. No more vacations in Italy, no more going to America, no more something. And I actually think the Russians would have gone at the time, they would have gone to the streets to take him out. Because now it's kind of like a boiling frog is that, you know, it boils, the water boils so slowly that the frog ultimately dies instead of jumping out. But that would have been very damaging. So that can be. But another thing I believe is that Putin does want us to be a global player. And he doesn't want to be, I mean, he feels... And he actually even said that much, not in so many, uh, not in these exact words, but something that I was trying to be the West. Europe doesn't think there was. I was trying to be, but you excluded me. And therefore, I have to unite to do the new Warsaw Pact with all these rogue nations mm -hmm. that America calls mm -hmm. rogue nations, because you didn't let me to be part of you. So I actually think that this is a leverage. That still could be a leverage that... He's let to be, but nobody would let him because he's such a rogue anti-James Bond now. So somehow they have to, Americans or West has to decide 
how they're going to deal with him. I mean, you know, they sit at the table with Saudi Arabia Americans, but they're not going to sit at the table with Putin. Putin is still by far less human rights abusive than Saudi Arabia. So once again, as long as the West is hypocritical, Putin has some sort of leverage. If the West stops being hypocritical, which is, you know, case of wishful thinking probably, then it would be much easier to yeah, but deal also with hypocrisy is not limited to the West. I mean, right, no, exactly. I mean, I mean it's really, everybody enjoys, <laughs> seem to have a, a good dose of, of hypocrisy. Oh, no, but, but the problem yeah. with the Western hypocrisy is that, you know, Putin, for example, he says, I'm honest, I am what I am. Oh, well. You lecture everybody <laughs> yeah. on how to be and yeah. look at you. And yeah. I think that's, he takes a pleasure in it. And I think one of the, I mean, now, once again, I think that it was such a missed opportunity and so many years, I mean, whatever, three, four years have been lost. But if Joe Biden didn't run around and saying, we are America, we're going to save Ukraine and everything, but let Angela Merkel deal with it, it probably would have been a much better outcome. They yeah, I, I think the way we handle Crimea, because now we set up, we put on our seven bucks. Will he, under any circumstances, give up Crimea? No, no. It's not going to happen. No, he's not. Now, we are saying that's not going to be acceptable. So we, Well, we, here we, you go. Yeah. So that's, that's is, we say they're not going to improve. This is the problem. Right. This is one of the biggest problems. We took, we took such an ironclad position that conquest cannot, cannot happen uh, in a wake of World War II and um, subsequent to that. And he's, this Crimea is part of this. Uh, right. part of and Russia he says, today. look, you did this in Kosovo, yeah. why can I do it in, yeah. so, in so Crimea? So that's, that's a major you know, block. But it also, I mean, once again, if we had a better, pre we, America, if America had a better president, if America had a Secretary of State who was less of an introvert and actually did diplomacy more, I guess, more more openly to some degree, there are options. I mean, instead of saying that go to the United Nations and agree with Putin that there's a referendum in Crimea deeply observed by the United Nations and all powers involved, and if Crimea goes to Ukraine, Putin would have to accept the outcome. It probably wouldn't go to Ukraine, so he should, he's fine. But it is unfortunate, but legitimize this annexation after the fact. Because if the relationship want to be, and for that, by the way, that's a leverage. That's a really huge leverage. Yeah, but then he will not. He will not. I mean, you know that he will not go to something like this no, unless he, he's he absolutely might. certain. No, no, he will have to be sure, almost certain, that uh, if there were to be an election, that he's going to the public would say we want to stay with and Russia. It probably, and and <clears throat> it probably but, would. And yeah, I, I I agree with. It. I think I think the given the composition of the Ukrainian of the Crimea's uh, population. Uh, the vast majority are Russian-speaking. Um, they have been used to being part of the Soviet Union for just about everyone is born. Right. <laughs> so, so it's not unlikely that it would actually decide. Yeah, and it wasn't. Well. I mean, and they but, until yeah. until he took it over, <clears throat> they wanted to yeah. get out of Ukraine. Ukraine mm -hmm. never let yeah. them. So, so yes, it is not a perfect scenario. Yeah. But one of the things is, you know. You are not an American, I'm not an American. There's news for America. The world is not perfect. So this whole black and white approach that America has as if it's the moral judge of the whole universe is wrong. And that's exactly what Putin has been absolutely pissed about, is that you 
are hypocrites the way is everybody else. And you don't have the right to tell the world how to behave. And that's why I'm going to give it back to you 10 times over. Yeah. And, and I think and, that is a leverage yeah. for him. Yeah. And no, but he is also right, especially now. Especially now. I mean, uh, Obama was trying, of course, he was uh, writing, uh, you know, the moral, um, uh, as I call it, the, the high moral ground. Which was also very wrong. Well, in, in some areas. I mean, well, for Russia, I mean, it was wrong. But yes, yeah. And because I think also the fact that he was uh, he's a, a black president, he bent backwards to try to project a different kind of picture of the United States. And that did not sit well. And I agree with you, absolutely. Because, yes, I think President Obama focused on the moral leadership of the United States. That was for him uh, very, very important. He was weak in many areas. But, but there was his problem. I mean, if you're yeah. so moral, yeah. then you don't give Putin the red line on Syria. I mean, uh, once you give Putin a red line, then you uh, have to know that you're going to be exa asked exactly. to pay back. Yes, sometimes, you know, if you adhere to the human rights, what's moral, what's right, what's correct, you also have to look. I would look at Syrian situation, and I consider myself a moral concern about what's going on in Syria, and I would have to intervene to do something about it. However, that may seem right. wrong by the other mm -hmm. side, but I know the goal. The goal is to do things better. That's where Obama, Obama fell. But if you take Putin involvement in Syria, uh, how much, and I agree, he, he's gained um, a sort of foothold, maybe temporary, in other parts of the Middle East. And we see manifestation of that right. uh, around. Israel goes to him to see him, King Salman right. goes to see him, all the leaders goes to, uh, see, to him. see him, goes to see him. So he's... Erdogan, now, <laughs> all of them, essentially all so, of them. Yeah, yeah, and because now he's, now he's the crown prince. He's the major dick. Yeah. <laughs> so he's able, he's been able to achieve that. And so his ego now inflated. Probably, I don't know if it's going to be inflated anymore. It's no, it could be. He's a short man. So as a short man, their egos get infinitely more inflated than big men. So, um, that the, the, so, again, you know, I'm looking at it and say, there's got to be a time where U.S.-Russia relation has to move from dead center right now. I don't know where dead center yet. Yeah. And that's that I'd, I'd like to elaborate. I want you to elaborate on this point because that dead center, you know, where 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 is it hovering? Which direction is going? I think it needs to go further down before it First. can start going. Down. How far down? Because I how bad can it get? How much worse can it get? The investigation should conclude. The investigation should come out open. The investigation should give all the facts and documents and not conjecture, conjecture, but actually real evidence. The reporting on that should get less hysterical and every word Russia, when Russia is mentioned, everyone says, oh my God, there must be collusion. Oh, boo, Russians. So it has to come down and it has to come to an incredible matter-of-factness, kind of. That's what Rex mm -hmm. Tillerson is good as, just sort of matter of fact. We're not going to agree, but we have to agree that we are in an absolute divorce stage. Do we want to continue in that divorce, or are we going to start filling each other out? And that's kind of the Crimea referendum organized by the United Nations could be leveraged for Putin. There are other kind of, I don't know, I mean, further sanctions or lifting of sanctions 
for other, say, um, I don't know, performance of the Minsk Agreement yeah, in, yeah. Uh, in, in Ukraine yeah. and whatnot. But the further, I think, the further hysteria goes, the more Putin becomes rogue, in a sense. Rogue that he feels that you know the United there's no way of convincing the United States that there's any relationship possible. So I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. Yeah, yeah. To that, the point of saying, yeah. you know, I'm being promised that I am going to take uh, Tallinn, uh, NATO country Estonia. I'm going to take Tallinn. You know what? Let me just take it. So stop baiting me. And I think this is also something that should be taken into consideration that for a man like Putin, baiting is not a good thing. So clown conversation is a much better way of mm -hmm. dealing with his mm -hmm. any um, uh, any aspirations that, than not. Yeah, the two things you mentioned, for example, the result of the investigation, we're going to find out. The result of the investigation, potentially, say, going to the United Nations Security Council to agree on. But to go there, he basically will concede psychologically. He's conceding to the fact that the international community decide something that he feels strongly that is my right. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he was in Putin as we know him today, he will not agree to something like that because that in and of itself is a concession, significant concession. What is it going to be the quid pro quo? Well, what is he going to get for in, in return? For you that? know, I actually find it really interesting how concessions uh, sort of failures of Putin, they are never failures of Putin. I mean, that's another thing that he does very brilliantly. For example, he lost in Ukraine. He took out Crimea and he was promised and he thought they're going to take all these other territories, mm -hmm. East Ukraine, parts of Odessa, where Odessa is this whole Novorossi, new Russia that used to be before the revolution. Right. And he didn't. I mean, there's this crazy republics of Lugansk and Donetsk, but they're not really, I mean, they're just crazy people, and it's not that people really want to be part of Russia. So there is a loss. He doesn't admit this loss. He turns weakness into strength. It's a quagmire, so there is a way, right, it is, it's a pro, I mean, he needs yeah. a frozen conflict, yeah. but he, yeah. he'd rather have it, and yeah. he is not having it. Yeah. So, but it's not, a, I mean, he kind of orchestrated it, it's not a defeat. So I don't know how he does it. I don't think like KGB, but I'm sure those concessions, he somehow can turn into something. It's like, well, you know what? For example, I am for the good of the nation, for the good of the world, I am going to agree with that just because we know what that we are right. But the United States has such a crazy president and only me <laughs> and me only can make sure that somehow the relationship are getting balanced out because the world suffers. And he can do that after 17 years in power. He certainly can be this kind of Deng Xiaoping on, of, of, global, of global affairs. So he's I, a wise statesman. I, I, I hope you're not giving yourself too much credit. So it's, it's possible. <laughs> well, I think I'd, I'd love to continue this conversation for another two hours, but we'll stop here. Thank you again. Thank I you. think it was fun. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page and stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.